Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, June 2nd, 2019. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, every good story has a hero and usually a villain. And if you look through the history of movies, TV, and literature, there have been some classic villains. And and, in no means is this supposed to be a a list of all of them, but here's just a few uh, that come to my mind. Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Saruman the White from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The Shark from Jaws. He was so mean, wasn't he? Uh, The Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. The Joker, especially Heath Ledger's uh, iconic rendition of it in The Dark Knight. And then uh, all you old school TV watchers, remember J.R. Ewing from Dallas? Yeah, nasty, nasty man, that guy. Uh, Or Walter White from Breaking Bad, who begins the series as the hero, but really kind of ends up as a villain. Uh, He Who Must Not Be Named, Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter series. Uh, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Coat. That's another old school right there. Uh, Book and movie. And then the king of all slashers, Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, being a Disneyland annual pass holder, I've had my run-ins with villains, including uh, Cruella de Vil, uh, the, the, the main villain in today's Disney movie. So welcome to my annual Faith in Disney sermon series. And this has been one of my favorite series to preach every year. I've been doing it ever since I came here four years ago. And we look at each week during the next six weeks, we'll look at a different Disney film. Uh, and But not just go through the film, we'll try to find what are some of the elements of faith and spirituality that you might find within the storyline, and then how does that fit with us as, as people of faith? Now, I know some people are super excited, and they can't wait for this series to start. Uh, thank you, if that's you. Uh, I know there are others that are like, oh, not again. So if you're an oh, no, not again kind of person, then um, may you uh, pray for those that really do enjoy this series, that over the next six weeks... They will just get everything that the Holy Spirit wants to share with them. And maybe along the way, um, you're, you also might uh, uh, receive something that God wants to say to you. 101 Dalmatians is, was Walt Disney's 17th feature film. It debuted in 1961. It was actually a, a critical and financial success, which was a huge uh, blessing to Walt, considering his 16th movie, Sleeping Beauty, was a flop. It actually put uh, the Disney Studios in great debt. And there was even talk of closing down the animation division of Walt Disney Studios uh, because of how badly Sleeping Beauty did. The company was now starting to focus on live-action films, television, and, of course, the beginning of theme parks. But 101 Dalmatians changed everything. It was the highest-grossing film in the United States in 1961. The film begins just outside a flat in London as we look in on Pongo, the Dalmatian, and his pet, as he refers to him, Roger. Uh, Living the bachelor life, Pongo says, is really quite dull, not glamorous at all. And despite the fact that Roger is a, a romance songwriter, Pongo says he really doesn't know anything about romance. So Pongo sets out to change that. 
Uh, looking out his window, he sees an attractive human-canine duo and proceeds to coax Roger into taking a walk in the park right along where the ladies were headed. Let's watch as the two couples meet for the first time. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to play the audio version of the video clip that we showed in worship. Well, love is in the air, and along with a dual wedding, and then, of course, puppies are soon to follow. Back home, Roger's working on a new song. He likes to get the music first and then be inspired to add the lyrics second. When they're suddenly visited by Anita's, uh, who's Roger's wife, a tornado of an old schoolmate, Cruella DeVille, uh, which actually then prompts Roger to create lyrics about Cruella to the new song he's just written. But during this visit, the entire house is thrown into chaos as we get to meet Cruella for the first time. Our scripture passage for today comes from the New Testament book of Ephesians. And despite the heading that you see there, and if you open your pew Bible, it would probably say the same thing, uh, the epistle or letter of Paul, many scholars now believe that Paul probably didn't write this letter himself. Instead, it was penned by one of his disciples or close companions that followed him and learned from him and then uh, penned it following Paul's death. It was a common practice in antiquity. Ephesians holds many of the key theological points that Paul uh, lays out in his other writings But here it's reinterpreted for a largely Gentile or non-Jewish Christian community. In fact, if you look at the very first verse of the first chapter, it says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Well, some of the ancient key manuscripts don't actually have the words in Ephesus. And so scholars say this may indicate that the letter was written more as a general letter to Christians rather than a specific letter to a specific community. Thomas Slater, in his Smith and Helby's commentary on Ephesians, notes that originally the letter was penned for an ethnically inclusive church. I love that. It kind of connects with where we are today as well. Where one where Jew, back then it was Jews and Gentiles as equal partners in God's kingdom. Another important insight when looking at Ephesians is to be aware of something known as the Gnostic influence. Now, Gnosticism was a way of looking at the world, and it was dualistic, right? There are two views. Uh, One, that the material world, the place that we live on, everything that you can see and touch here on earth, that is evil. But the spiritual world, which is of God and the angels, that then is the good world. And the only way you achieve salvation is through getting specific knowledge or gnosis, uh, secret revelation to you. Now, one of the side notes of this, of the spiritual world being good, was that the the understanding that because the material world is evil, it didn't matter what you did on earth, because this doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is in heaven. So people could do whatever they want and would have no impact on their standing with God or salvation. But you can imagine some people would run with that and head down places that God never intended. In fact, the writer of Ephesians tries to counter this idea and issues a number of warnings against evil practices that people were indulging in. So with that in mind, let's jump into our text for today, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, Do not be associated with them. 
Scholars say that this verse particular is in reference to Gnosticism and other uh, non-Christian religious practices of the day, saying that if, if society is adopting a lower set of standards for morality, don't listen to them, don't follow them, don't be persuaded by the latest and greatest fad. Don't adopt a self-centered lifestyle where everything revolves around you and what you want and what your desires are. That's not the way Jesus lived. He called us to put others ahead of ourselves. Let's keep that in mind as we go back to 101 Dalmatians. So the weeks pass, and it's now a rainy night in October, and Perdita gives birth to 15 puppies. And almost as if on cue, as soon as that's announced, Cruella comes to the door. Now, neither Pongo nor Roger are happy to see her. And when Cruella uh, offers to buy all of the 15 newborn puppies, Roger flatly refuses. And she doesn't take that well, Cruella. In fact, she vows to get even. Well, Perdita is one happy uh, mama dog when Cruella leaves, presumably for good. Well, time passes, the puppies grow, and so does our love for the new black and white television that the family has. Uh, they especially love watching the weekly heroics of Thunderbolt, the dynamic dog that leads the Western series. Uh, sponsored, of course, by Canine Crunchies. Can't be beat. They make each day a special treat. Once the puppies head off to bed that particular evening, though, uh, the parents go out for a walk around town in London. Unbeknownst to them, though, two uh, thugs, Jasper and Horace, have been staking out the place. And when they go out for a walk, they sneak into the house, lock up the nanny, and steal the puppies, all 15 of them. Well, news travels fast, and Cruella makes uh, sure to call on Roger and Anita and express her condolences for the loss that they have just encountered. And as soon as she hangs up, Jasper and Horace call to let them know, to let her know that the theft went off without a hitch. Scotland Yard has no leads. Uh, they'd interviewed Cruella even, but she had an alibi, and so they don't know where to return. So Pongo and Perdita realize it's up to them to find their children. And so they set off the twilight bark, the fastest way that dogs can get news around the community. Let's watch the twilight bark in action. So that's what dogs are doing when they bark at night, right? <laughs> Spreading the word. By the way, if you had eagle eyes, did you notice some of the dogs from uh, Lady and the Tramp yeah. were at the, towards the end of the movie or end of that scene as well? Well, the twilight bark is a way of exposing the evil that had taken place in London by the theft of the puppies. Well, the author of Ephesians calls for us believers to do the same and uses the image of light and darkness to make his point. Verse 8. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. So live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. You may have heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were a discovery made around the middle of the 20th century. Some of the oldest manuscripts from the Old Testament. Um, and, and they found that the Dead Sea Scroll community talks about the early Christians as children of light. So the author of Ephesians is reminding us uh, that, that, that we aren't, or the early church wasn't just in the light, but they are light through the light of Christ Jesus. So that everything that is good and true contains light, and that that's what we're called to be a part of in our lives. Verse 10, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 
For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. This is a pretty amazing verse if you look at it closely. That the writer is encouraging us to to shine our light in the darkness, right? We sang in Vacation Bible School as kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? The, The love of God that's in us shines out like a flashlight in the midst of the darkness. Uh, Because anytime you go into a dark room, when you shine light, it's no longer all dark. That darkness cannot overcome the light, but light always uh, overcomes the darkness. But to expose the darkness isn't just to call attention to it. It isn't just to say, oh, look how horrible that thing is or this person is. To expose darkness to light is to actually change it so that it's no longer dark. And the writer is saying that when we shine a light in darkness, the darkness becomes light. That Christ can help transform darkness, any darkness. Biblical scholar R. Alan Culpepper makes a point, uh, a comment about this very verse when he writes this. It is not the wickedness of the world that must be exposed, but that of erring Christians. Likewise, it's not primarily the person, but their wickedness which must be rooted out. I think too often as Christians uh, and as the church, we're known by what it is we're against, right? Protesting this or up in arms over that or who it is that we're against. But the deep truth of the Christian faith is that often we're called to look within ourselves to see what needs to be changed in us. So the twilight bark isn't as much uh, a call to, to expose what we see in the world around us, but really to know that there's things going on in our own heart and our lives that are, that are dark, and we need the light of Christ to be changed. So when we expose that, when we lift it up to Jesus, our lives can be transformed. Speaking of the twilight bark, the call eventually makes it up north in the countryside to a colonel, the sheepdog, whose uh, message is that 15 puppies have been stolen. And so Sergeant Tibbs, the cat, remembers that he, she heard uh, some... Uh, or he heard some uh, puppies barking up by the old DeVille uh, manor that's been abandoned, which is known as, of other things, Hell Hall. Um, and so the investigation begins, and Sergeant Tibbs discovers a ton of Dalmatians, not just the 15 that were stolen in, from London, but 84 others that were bought by Cruella from pet shops around the country. And... Uh, They're all being guarded by Horace and Jasper, those crooks. Well, the Twilight Bark sends news back to London, and a great Dane tells Mom and Dad exactly where their puppies are. And so off they set on an epic journey north. Meanwhile, at the old abandoned DeVille Manor, guess who happens to show up? Cruella. And she meets with Jasper and Horace and to tell them exactly what's happening next in their dastardly plan. She is so mean, isn't she? Well, with a dastardly plan uh, afoot, let's move back to our passage from Ephesians. Verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ralph Martin in his interpretation commentary on Ephesians note that that phrase, making the most of the time, is actually borrowed from shopping in the marketplace. And it literally means snapping up all chances of a bargain that are available. 
Isn't that great? You find something, it's a great bargain, you have to get it as much as you can. That's what the writer is saying. Make the most of these times. Each moment of our day is an opportunity to do something that God would want us to do. To stop focusing on ourselves and our own desires, but instead reach out in love and service to others. To be agents of light, not of darkness. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we're called to celebrate with each other, to gather together and sing, to be thankful, to be joy-filled people of faith, to live in mutual love and harmony with all. Well, how does 101 Dalmatians end? Tibbs sneaks back into Hell Hall to help the puppies, all 99 of them, try to get out alive. And when Jasper and Horace notice the missing, things start to get a little testy. Tibbs helps them hide and elude being caught, and then Pongo and Perdita make it just in time to protect their children. Never get between parents and their kids in danger, right? They make it out alive, but Jasper and Horace just won't give up, and they're hot on the trail. Well, the plan by Pongo and Perdita is to take all 99 puppies back to London if they can make it safely. But 100 dogs walking through the snow is going to leave tracks, so they decide to walk on the frozen river, uh, riverbed. Well, the next morning, Cruella comes calling, reiterating to her henchmen how crucial it is that they find those puppies before the police do. And the hospitality of a collie and some dairy cows make a suitable uh, place for the puppies to sleep that night. And then rested, off they go the next morning. And again, Cruella is out looking for them, and she spies a sign of their movement, and she tracks them down to a small town called Dinsford. In Dinsford, a Labrador tells uh, the parents that there's a truck about to leave for London. If they can get the puppies on the truck, they can make it home safely. But of course, Cruella is on the prowl and she's looking and when two of the puppies accidentally uh, roll in the soot, that gives dad a plan and calls all of the puppies to get covered so they can escape. Let's watch. Indeed, time is of the essence. And as Perdido and Pongo work hard to get all the 99 puppies in the truck, Cruella finally discovers them in her rearview mirror. And the chase is on. Let me tell you, Cruella is the ultimate road rage driver. You do not want to have her behind you. Uh, I'm totally not joking. <laughs> Fortunately for the Dalmatians, Horace and Jasper inadvertently uh, crash into Cruella's car, and uh, the dogs are able to make it to London safely. It's now Christmas time, and Roger's song, Cruella de Vil, has been such a hit that the money is pouring in. And you can imagine how much there is rejoicing when the puppies make it home. All 99 of them still mostly covered in soot. Well, I guess 101 if you count mom and dad. And with the money that they're receiving from Roger's hit song, they plan to buy a house in the country big enough for all 101 Dalmatians. The end. It's a very simple story, right? One of love and life, of family, commitment, dedication mixed with a genuine 100% evil villain whose very name literally means devil, right? Devil, devil. We're reminded, however, that we don't have to search very far to find evidence of evil, that our lives, if we're honest enough, 
have enough darkness of our own. And in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 5, we get this reminder. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So let us uh, allow the light of Christ to shine in and through us, my brothers and sisters. May we search our own hearts and root out anything that doesn't reflect Jesus. Let us imitate our Savior, who didn't look to see what he could do to advance his own cause and get ahead in life, but Jesus was seeking to reach out and to serve others, to shower love on others. We are children of light, despite the dark places that we all have within us. And we can change the world, no matter what devils we may face, inside and out. May each of us today be open to the transforming light and power of Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.